Kudu here. Listen to Safari. Bits and bites from the bush. Wilderness wise with eco training. Hi, um, I'm uh, Nicola Randek and I work with eco training in a beautiful spot in Botswana called um, Shatu Game Reserve. Um, so I've done a reasonable amount of conservation work over South Africa and um, in my experience I've come across quite a few uh, cheetah along the way. And um, I am unsure if it's their, their tawny fur or their delicate spots, um, their long legs or their slender body that makes the cheetah I think one of the most elegant of the cats. They have a very well known reputation for being the fastest land mammal, getting up to over 100 kilometers an hour. But there are a few more surprising facts about them that you only discover after spending a little bit more time with them. So some of the more surprising attributes of the cheetah I've experienced are its insistent purring. You can almost feel the vibrations of that loud, persistent fur, uh, purr sorry, through the air. Um, and it's a very satisfied and smoothing sound. And I think we've all actually experienced at some stage in our lives with our feline companions at home. The other and probably the more surprising sound that I have heard and experienced when being around Cheetah is um, one that I heard when I was on a game drive vehicle spending the morning following a female with her four cubs um, through the Mashatu game reserves. So we were both basically driving around um, at one point. We'd been following the female all morning with her cubs. I spent hours out there already. But we thought, let's try and get a really good sighting. She'd been in a thick Mapani scrub for a while. So we thought, oh, well, let's get ahead of her and see what we can, so we can get a really good sight and some nice photos for our students that we had at the time. So we came around this corner and all of a sudden we bumped into this massive female lioness lying under the shade of a tree and we're like, uh-oh. Kind of in my mind I was almost half hoping that the cheetah and her cubs would like veer off and just all of a sudden detour it on the way, but unfortunately uh, we were too good at predicting that animal's behaviour where it was going to end up and she ended up popping out of the, um, the Mapani scrub not too far from the lion, maybe about 30 meters or so, so it was close. The female with the cubs froze instantly as soon as she saw the lion. The lion kind of just looked up, didn't seem too concerned with seeing the cheetah at that stage. And then none of them moved, basically. She was very relaxed, the cheetah obviously was extremely alert, especially with her cubs, they were only about nine months old, so still quite young. And then all of a sudden, as if the lion decided something like, oh okay, well I better, it kind of got up and just sprinted straight towards the cheetah. Half-heartedly, I think, but I was still had my heart in my throat at that stage, just thinking, what's going to happen here? Are we going to see lion-killing cheetah? The lion, uh, the cheetah basically scattered all in different directions in this cloud of dust, um, and the lion kind of ran, and we didn't really see what happened or where anybody went at that stage, and we just sat there hoping um, that all the cheetahs were okay. Um, we kind of drove off afterwards into the Mapani scrub and found the lion very relaxed, maybe slightly breathing a little bit heavier, but under a tree, quite happy with herself. She obviously felt she had to chase. Um, and now she had done that, she was quite happy sitting under that tree. So then we had the mission of trying to see if we could find the cheetah again, hoping we were going to find all the cubs. So we took us a good half an hour, 20 minutes driving through that Mapani scrub until we came across two of the younger boys. And they were kind of just sitting, looking very, very, well, sitting and walking around and kind of pacing a bit, looking very unsure about themselves and where they were. And it was here, at this moment, that I heard that strange sound. It was a very high cheep, like a bird, almost. 
and I heard him once and I was like that's not like any bird I have ever heard around these areas before thinking oh my goodness my birding's not up to scratch and then I heard it again and then I realized it was actually coming from the male tutors the cubs so they were calling essentially a contact call to find their mum because they were lost so in a certain way um it's fascinating, but in a certain way it kind of uh, breaks your heart as well. These poor little teeth were completely lost from mum and they were using this really high-pitched sound to find her again. Um, we sat with them for a good half an hour, 45 minutes, in the boiling hot sun. I don't know if we felt um, we were keeping them company or somehow it would benefit them in some way, but it got to about 45 minutes later. Uh, we had run out of water hours before that because we'd been on the road for a long time, sitting in that hot sun, and we had to leave and we did uh, but luckily about a week or so later we actually spotted the female with all her four cups all her four cups again so that was that was fantastic <laughs> also with cheetah which um, I find fascinating compared to some of the, the larger cats is they're not instinctively social animals okay so the females they're generally found alone unless they have cubs um, which they generally have until the cubs are about two years old and then they kind of venture off into their own their own areas. So the females tend to stay within the, the mother's territory and then the boys travel a little bit further afield. Although it's common to see the individual cheetah males together, it is also common to see coalitions of brothers. Uh, we're lucky enough to actually have two coalitions in Mashati. We've got a young coalition of cheetah boys, three, and then we've got a very old successful coalition of three old boys that are, that are over the age of the ripe old age of 10 years old so um, they've been around for a long time so basically coalitions form between brothers um, essentially when they are born throughout the whole time that they're staying with their mother and in this time they develop a dominance hierarchy between them so one is always going to be a little bit more dominant than the other um, unlike lions these tutors form coalitions for a couple of advantages but it's not anything to do with their breeding advantage with lions, what happens is is the coalition of males will go and they'll all breed with the females. Okay, so they've all got that chance of kind of passing on their genes to the next generation. But with the cheetahs, it's only that dominant male that's established in that first kind of couple of years of the life that actually ends up mating with the cheetah. Yeah, mating with the female cheetah. Um, so really, the, the incentive to form these coalitions is, is slightly different and leans on something a little bit different to that. So one of them is its safety in numbers. I mean, um, they're at the bottom, bottom of the large predator hierarchy based on having confrontations with hyena or leopard or lion. So being three or two rather than one is always going to be an advantage. Their hunting success is going to increase as well. So larger prey can be um, taken down. They'll basically be able to tackle prey that an individual cheetah wouldn't even dare go near, essentially. Um, and then, of course, they can defend their territories against individual cheetahs, so they have more access to females in the area. But the one thing that I find with um, these cheetah coalitions is the bonds that form between them are, are unbelievable. And uh, the things that I've seen when I've been out in the bush are fascinating with regards to these coalitions of cheetah. I worked on a, a Karongwe game reserve, did some volunteering there where we were tracking or monitoring the large predators and part of our job was to monitor the cheetahs so we had them collared so we always had a telemetry set so you'd go out and basically get these beep beeping from the collar would work with the telemetry set we held and then you'd be able to find them reasonably easily and we've been following these two two cheetah boys for um, a long time one of them one of the reasons was that one of them had a really sore ankle so he wasn't walking properly and he was actually quite 
quite struggling a bit and we just watched these cheetahs over a week just get skinnier and skinnier and skinnier and we were actually quite concerned about them so we went out this one particular morning just thinking okay we need to find these cheetahs and just to make sure they're okay at this stage and as per Murphy's law we're driving the game drive vehicle we had our telemetry up we were waiting for those beeps and we found them at 90 degree angle to the road so of course we're thinking right <laughs> we're gonna have to walk straight into the bush here which is fine Cleverly, we quickly checked the telemetry set to make sure that the lions weren't anywhere near, uh, which is always a smart idea, which we have forgotten to do before. But anyway, so we walked straight into this block, good 50, 60, 70 meters into this block, and we found the cheetahs, and we found them, these two cheetah boys, on a um, waterbuck cull. And a waterbuck is a large antelope, so it fathoms me how in the world they managed to bring down, with one injured brother, this huge animal. Um, but they were, and they were greedily feeding on it. So we were like, let's get a let's get a better view of this. So we walked around this bush, reasonably far distance, I thought, from them, to give them a little bit of space. But obviously the brother that wasn't so injured didn't think it was quite far enough. So um, he charged me, in particular, for some reason. <laughs> and he ran straight up to me in a full charge, stopped about two metres away. So at that point, my instinct took over. I'd been told what to do. I hadn't done any of my training yet, but I shot my arms up into the air and I just stood still and did not run. Okay, now the did not run part is probably more the fact that I had this massive buffalo thorn reasonably thick behind me, full of all these little sharp hooks that almost grab you and stop you from moving anyway. But um, I'd like to just think I wouldn't have run anyway. Uh, and the only direction I could have run would have been straight at the cheetah, so there was never going to be an option. <laughs> so... This cheetah runs straight up to me. It's about a meter, a meter and a half. And I do not exaggerate when I say this away. And it just sat there on its haunches down, spitting and showing its teeth and just basically defending its prey, saying, you're coming too close. It's obviously got an injured brother and it just was not happy with us. Um, it eventually, which felt like forever, but I'm sure it wasn't that long. It was probably only about 15 seconds. Got up and kind of walked back towards the kill, giving us the warning. We moved off a little bit further away and kind of viewed from afar. Um, that is why I actually use the, the term kind of elegant quite lightly when I talk about cheetahs, because in that moment there was no elegance whatsoever with that cheetah. The pure, the muscle, those teeth, those claws that you saw, ooh, <laughs> I had a lot more respect for them after that moment in time. Um, but just that, that bond between the brother obviously protecting his kill and his br other brother who couldn't do anything at that point was just, it, to me, it was just fascinating. And the other coalition um, I particularly find a connection with is the one in Mashatu with the Cheetah Boys that we have up here with the, the three of them, three of them in the coalition that have been there here their entire lives and they are now 10 years old and they've been together that entire time. We saw them once when we were doing a drive in a place called Central, which is up near Pontriff border in the Mashata area. Absolutely stunning area full of basalt ridges. And we came across these um, three cheetahs. And they were just very relaxed under a tree. When they were old, you could tell they had the battle scars. They had the spots that didn't quite line up on their rumps. You know, they were not looking all that... I mean, they were looking healthy enough, but they they'd had a rough 10 years. And one of them was, was not doing so well. Um, he had diarrhea, he was just looking a bit weaker than the others. So basically we concluded, or we had to conclude, that the other two males were making the kills for the third and actually providing him 
with food and, and, and everything else along along those lines. Um, so the fact that they've had this, this bond for you know, more than 10 years and that even when uh, one of the cheetahs isn't necessarily pulling their weight anymore or contributing as much as they can, they still remain they still remain in that kind of that um, it's almost like a, a respect or, or a bond or a looking out for each other space so that they're all end up being okay over such a long time. Um, one of the, the interests that I have as well a lot of the time is um, well is wildlife conservation and I think with cheetahs and in this area in particular there are a few things that threaten the wildlife conservation of them. Uh, one of them is a very natural, very natural thing, is the fact that they're at the bottom of the the large predator hierarchy. Okay, this area has got um, a total of 22 lions, individual lions at the moment. Plus, there is actually another new female that's just joined with some cubs as well. So the lion population is constantly growing and changing. And the main predator in this area is a hyena. Actually, spotted hyenas. So there's a huge number of spotted hyenas in the area, which are always going to be a threat to cheetah. And the ridges that we have here, these sandstone ridges, the basalt ridges, the, the um, riverine vegetation areas, are, leopards love them. So our leopard population is massive as well. So they really have those natural kind of elements to contend with, which is probably why we have so many coalitions of boys at this stage. The other thing that they're contending with naturally as well is um, obviously prey is always um, can be a dangerous game hunting. <laughs> We had um, later, earlier this year, sorry, we had a female uh, ripped open by a warthog from basically one side of the bottom of her ribcage to the other side. She actually had cubs at the time, just from, from a warthog that she obviously tried to catch and it went wrong. So we had to, uh, while intervention was taking place, anti-poaching and a vet came out and ended up stitching her up. So there's always, always a risk when it comes to even hunting. Um, one thing that is more human wildlife conflict is there is, seems to be a subsistent poaching going on in this area from the local villages. So there is snares that are set up, especially in the dry season where they're kind of isolated or, or concentrated on these big game paths that are leading down to water. They're not aiming, they're not very um, animal or species specific at all, which is part of the problem. Basically people are trying to catch or trap impala as food, just because they need the protein. It's an important part of the diet, obviously, um, and they're not getting it anywhere else. Um, so cheetah, obviously, can walk into these snares just as much as anything else. And we earlier last year, we had one of the cheetahs um, snared that we had to remove the collar. Unfortunately, the snare had managed to get very deep. It was about an inch and a bit deep into the, the neck of, of that cheetah. So when it eventually got removed, um, they stitched it up. They had to leave reasonably big gaps between the stitchings just to allow obviously the wound to weep and to heal to heal properly. There was one of the boys that was in the younger coalition but we saw them uh, a, a week ago or so, all three of them together again. So that was great that, that that worked out okay but that is quite a big problem in this area with a lot of the animals, not just cheetah. Um, and then, of course, there's always the, the possibility of being conflicts in the village. I mean, none of the villages in this area are fenced at all. We've got a couple of local villages reasonably close. Their wildlife goes in there all the time. Sometimes it's easier for these animals to go and pick off a chicken or two than it is to go and catch an impala. 
not so much with the cheetahs going into the villages um, that we know of as of yet that we haven't really heard of, but a lot of the brown hyenas are involved in some chicken raiding. Um, and then we get problems with poisonous uh, carcasses being poisoned and left out to try and get rid of these animals that are killing, killing these people's livestock. The livestock, like it's it's their livelihood essentially. That's people's money, <laughs> you know, as these animals that they own. Um, so they put a poisoned carcass out there. Of course, it's the same theory as the snares. It's not specific to any animal in particular. We've had brown hyena killed. We've had lots of vultures as well that get really badly affected by this. Um, so there is potential threats and conflicts out there with regards to animals on this reserve, but also with regards to cheetah. I think the main solutions at this stage is obviously education is a big one and then monitoring the animals that we do have is very important. For more audio safaris visit kuduhere.com.